what happens is the only way to grow properly is you have to be very selective of the accounts that you want because your average contract value necessitates you targeting mid-market and enterprise companies primarily. Welcome back to another episode of the Growth is Scaling podcast. I am so excited today because, you know, honestly, I'm excited every day. We have the most amazing guests. And today, I'm going to let Jamie just introduce himself. Jamie, who are you and what do you do? My name is Jamie Shanks. I'm the CEO of two companies, uh, Sales for Life. We pioneered social selling, truly invented the topic, wrote a couple books on the topic, and scaled that to a global enterprise, 600 global customers. At Pipeline Signals, wow. we actually help the account executive who's sitting on an island who needs to self-source their own opportunity. We actually help them two right. ways. We enable them to be reinvigorate their prospecting skills, but then deliver them signals or sales intelligence of compelling events like job changes and customers on the move in their accounts so that we really get them what we call getting more at-bats. Right. And is this a technology play? Is it a training play? Tell it, go deeper. What is what is the thing? What are the signals they're getting? It's a it's a blend of both. It's a it's a tech enabled service. It's a okay. now it's a monthly recurring revenue model. It's an MRR okay. subscription that our customers pay, and what those customers are receiving are two two fronts. Number one is unlimited learning. So we have right now two certification programs. One called Social Selling Mastery one called the SPEAR program, which is account-based sales development. We're actually in the midst of building four other certifications. So it's learning as a service. You can learn all these certifications and bring as many sellers in to master the art of pipeline creation. At that same time, we're taking all of their customers, all of their prospects, we're correlating that information and looking for customers on the move. The number one door opening compelling event and we route that intelligence in their crm so the very same sellers that have just learned what is a signal and why should you care right we've just delivered them that signal gotcha gotcha okay now for those that aren't familiar with what you're talking about there are a lot of founders at different levels here watching the show today and and a lot of them are not familiar with all the sales jargon you just spit out i i for one am and i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) But there's a lot of people that are going to say, Todd, I don't, I don't know what social selling is, and I don't know what what an AE is and what their role actually. Like, a lot of the people on this show, they're listening, are in that growth mode. So help yeah. us understand because you've got a lifetime of experience selling. What should that sales organization look like, and what what is their role when it comes to social selling and following these leads and tracking where they're going? I mean, I totally get it, but some people don't. Help us understand what you're doing to them. So uh, as you grow and scale a business, so I actually have three companies we're talking about two today. When you scale any of these businesses, your first couple million might feel founder-led, right? So the founder is the one who creates their own inertia and pull toward, you know, they're a magnet. Right. What social selling does at that instance, and even with your first few sellers, you're trying to create this evangelism, brand ambassadorship, where you're drawing people from social channels, primarily tools in the business-to-business world like LinkedIn and Twitter. But if you have a B2C model, that might be Instagram and Facebook. 
you're drawing them in towards you because you are creating insights, content that are filled with best practices that attract right. people toward you. So what happens is now you start cresting. You'll notice that it starts to have a kind of this cresting opportunity where if we right. use a fishing analogy, you're fishing with a net and you're picking out the crabs and the minnows and the things you don't want, the eels. And you're like, oh, this is that that one tuna and a couple salmons that I wanted. <laughs> now right. we're in that $10 million mark and beyond. Okay. What happens is the only way to grow properly is you have to be very selective of the accounts that you want because your right. average contract value necessitates you targeting mid-market and enterprise companies primarily. Yes. yes. To get there, you need an account-based sales model, meaning you are selecting and prioritizing accounts that look like the type of tunas and whales that you need in the deep water to, you know, to create enough sustenance to grow the business. And at that point, your social selling model has to be an outward focused model. So you're using right. social media to select and prioritize accounts, build right. key account plans, and right. engage customers in a bold and different way, uh, in a way that your, your, your competitors are not. So that's what social totally. selling does. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I think that those listening, you need to understand that prior to anywhere between that five to 10 million mark of annual revenue, you are very impacted by everything the founder does in almost every you're in that You're in that transition, founder right. led to full sales led. Yeah. Perfect. And that's where you've got to, like what Jamie's talking about is for those that are moving beyond the founder driven everything and siloing these groups so that they're operating as a machine as a piece of your bigger machine, which is your company. So Correct. Jamie, with that background set and people now understanding what it is that you're doing, what does that perfect silo look like? I mean, the a sales team consists of which players and where do you jump in to help them? Yep. So uh, headwinds and tailwinds are one way to think about it. Uh, another way to think about it is they'll call it air cover and ground cover. Okay. And ultimately, that go-to-market team will have a marketing team, yes. which is creating evangelism across a total addressable market. They set up that total addressable market can be account-based, geographic-based, right. vertical, or industry-based. So they're right. spreading knowledge over a swath of an area. Right. Lead flow will come inbound. Lead flow right. is delivered to the first type of seller called the SDR the sales right. development representative who typically fields those inbound inquiries, uh, qualifies them and passes them in the earliest stage of founder led or of that transition over to a founder, if right. not to what's known as an account executive, whose job is to take it from discovery call to close. Wow. A business development representative, also known as inside sales, their job is they don't care what comes inbound. They're only focused outbound only and they are picking up cold like never talk to accounts right. they are warming them up and doing that exact same process love it now some if your sales ticket or your average contract value is small enough they might go from cold all the way to closing one right. or they might hand them off to the account executive so this is where 
this team starts to formulate. Love it. Love it. You have your account executive. That account executive can be full cycle to the point where they either just win the deal and hand it to a customer success manager right. or account manager or account director, or they might keep the entire relationship known as a portfolio model. So right. that means that they own the customer themselves. And ultimately to start scaling, you need those customer facing people, account managers, account executives, account directors, depending on that model. One by one, you start to grow the sales organization. For sure. And for those listening, what he just described is amazing, by the way. Great, great description. I, I could visualize the whiteboard in my head of what you just described. Well, I'm a sales yeah, no, this is awesome. And so as you did that whiteboard for us, and as that representation came to our minds, I want everyone to recognize that if you aren't leading to this type of organization, this type of structure, you're going to you're gonna self-sabotage yourself to the point where you cannot grow beyond a certain level in your company. This is the way. I mean, it literally is, as Mandalorian says, this is the way you have to have an organization, a structure, a team that does the sales flow for you because you cannot be found or driven for very long if you anticipate growth. So, Jamie. Yeah, and there certain, I was just going to say there were certain parts where they fall off. And one, listen, I, I want to lead through a thousand mistakes that I've made. <laughs> one of the fundamental mistakes that us founder-led yeah. organizations yeah. would have is A, we are too nervous to allow other people to run discovery call to close right. because we don't want to burn these opportunities as they come in because they're precious. They, right. at, at, at a certain stage of a business, your lead flow isn't adequate enough to feel that you could toss them away. Number two is what's called pipeline coverage. So pipeline coverage by definition means these are accounts that you have qualified as an opportunity, but they got sucked into what we'll call the dead zone, that uncomfortable silence when they said, call me back in two weeks and you did, and they didn't call back and it's been two months <laughs> and it's been yes. six months. So your CRM report starts to grow of these opportunities that seemed like opportunities at the time, right? but they're not closed one. Right. So at some point, there's this decision-making process you have to make. Do I nurture what I have? It's called the endowment effect. Do I spend time on the sunk cost of the energy and time with the old opportunities or do right. I go find the new one and focus on the small, really hot ones? Where founders get stuck is they try to balance it all themselves and you can't nurture 100 accounts or 500 accounts every week so nope. you need a supporting mechanism to support your old opportunities and close the, the really hot ones that are have great velocity. And what you're running a business, honestly, can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. CaptainsCouncil.com. Go to CaptainsCouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions 
and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as at our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up, keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. What the system does is teaches them to recognize those hot opportunities within that pool of dead zone leads. Yes, so exactly. What Pipeline Signals is a master at doing is recognizing that account selection and account prioritization is where, whether you're a founder or a group of sellers, this is the moment in time where you're going to make your number or fail. And it's these early Love leading it. indicators because if you select and prioritize the wrong accounts, you'll wake up six months from now and go, man, I worked so hard. Right. But I didn't get to where I needed to go because unless there's a compelling event and a reason for this company to change, right, they won't change. So what Pipeline Signals does is find that number one compelling event, which is human capital migration. When a new executive takes a job in a business, it's called the window of change. They go into a business and in the first 100 days, they want to shake up the people process technology that was in the business. Right. So in day 30 through 100, they're building a plan. They're doing calls. They're acquiring knowledge to bring to their first board meeting. At that day 90 or 100, they present their plan. They're given budget. And then they spend up to 70% of that remitted budget, either mentally or physically, right away. So getting them after day 100, they're already in flight with their plan. Right. You right. want to get there early. So what we track is any executive job change in the world that matters to you, but more importantly, did they come from your customer? Customers on the move are three to five times more likely to open up a door again. I love it. That's who we're tracking. Yeah. Love it. Wow. All right. Jamie, we just spent way longer than I normally spend understanding someone's business, but the value that you just delivered, I think is so perfect for the audience that we're talking to today. Um, this is amazing. And, and now that we know how you help and who you help, I want to throw it out there. Let's talk about your business. You know, you, you've been selling sales for your most of your adult life now. Tell yes. us about the highlights of your growth journeys, because, you know, not only have you grown your own business, but you've also grown a lot of other people's businesses. What do you see as kind of the highlights of that growth journey? And, and in particularly your company's growth journey as you've been evolving this tech and these systems and these, these processes that you have in play? Um, some of the highlights, if I were to look at my super skill, my super yeah. skill is seeing trends and opportunities before they become really emergent. Cool. So I, I loved evangelizing, even though those that are first through the wall usually kind of die on the way. <laughs> Yeah. Or what is that saying? Like first over the hill, I invented a type of sales methodology called social selling. And while extremely frustrating to try to convince people 
that this was important. It yeah. was so invigorating uh, when I would see light bulbs go off in people's heads. Um, I ironically got more joy out of speaking at conferences. I, right. I spoke at maybe 40 sales kickoffs a year. Right. I'd speak in front of these uh, large audiences and seeing the light bulbs go off in people's heads. Then I did, you know, raking profits at the end of the totally. year. Great EBITDA. You know, like I love that, of course, but seeing the change. And so in my company, Pipeline Signals, right. we're early to invent things. Right. It feels right. so great to see change. I have a third company that teaches offshoring to founders, like offshoring best practices, awesome. Bangladesh and Philippines. Yeah. It has a training business part to it too. And I love seeing founders' minds open up to operating leverage. Yeah. So I, I, that's my favorite part. I love it. I, I, I likewise have, have been, have a lot of experience in doing that. And it is fascinating to see people's minds open up to, oh, I don't have to hire in-house for all this stuff. You know, it's a light bulb. It's a huge light bulb. So I love it. Exactly. Thank you. Um, very cool. So what about the opposite, the flip side of this thing? I mean, everything doesn't always go perfect uh, as you're growing a business. What are some of the biggest challenges you've had to face in your own growth journey that you didn't quite anticipate hitting you? Um, uh, th th this is an easy one because I've, I'm <laughs> releasing a book around offshoring and it's literally the preface to the book. In 2017, five years into Sales for Life, we went from zero to $3 million recurring revenue. Like it what felt like overnight. Wow. Except we were spending $3 million and one. <laughs> and my problem is no one taught me the financial models and yeah. business and financial acumen to running a professional services company. So I didn't right. actually understand the unit economics. Right. And ultimately, I got way over my skis and almost went bankrupt. We were yeah. $600,000 in debt, $1.2 million in deferred liabilities, yet we were winning customers every single day. <laughs> you just weren't charging so them enough. <laughs> I just, oh, no, we were, and we were charging a lot. We had a marketing budget that was $800,000 a year. So my cost of customer acquisition was way off the charts. Right. Long and the short is, I, I've never felt more paralyzed in my life than being that close to financial ruin. Yeah. And I wish somebody had taught me. Yeah. There's a basic way to grow a pro serve. I just right. didn't know it. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That, that, uh, there's definitely not a college course on that. And, um, there's probably no one in college academics that could teach you that. <laughs> Hey, I had an MBA. We did not talk about this in MBA school. No, no, no you know, it, it's so funny. Everything is just rainbows and sunshine when you're in a, in a college class. But, you know, exactly. when you hit these kind of roadblocks, who do you turn to? I mean, it, it, what advice do you give other people that are hitting the realization of, oh, man, this is awesome. We're, we're building all sorts of recurring revenue. And it's just not enough for the model that they built. What changed my life was uh, getting a mentor. So that uh, I got a mentor who is uh, the CEO of Sales Benchmark Index. And at that same time, I started, I joined EO. I joined a Love Toronto it. version of an EO. Right. I took on mentors who had walked a mile in my shoes. And what seemed so simple to them was impossible to me. But it's amazing. 
even as a small business owner to companies which much larger, there were things that were so obvious and simple to me yeah. that they could learn from me. So. Totally. Totally. Uh, I love that you said that because I'm a huge, huge advocate of peer mentorship. I, I just feel like there are things that a founder can talk about with another founder that they cannot talk about with their even their right hand man in their own company. Right? A hundred percent. I hate going to parties and somebody says, so what do you do? And you could tell from the party, no one's a founder or entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, oh, they just don't get like, it. How do I explain this? How do I explain this? No. And, and I don't think anyone, you know, I, I had an employee once uh, for about 17 years, a long time employee, good friend, very close friend, tried to teach this person the burden of payroll every two weeks and that and is why your actual money <laughs> it's your actual money and guess what happens if we make a mistake in our accounting and we have to pay a big fine or a penalty to the government or something happens that's out of out of the ordinary guess where that money comes from that's, that's on me that's on <laughs> us and and, and uh, you know there's things like that For those listening if you're a founder or, or a ceo and you're running an operation, you're an operator of a company or even a division of a company, and you understand that burden, you also know that you can't always make these things right on your own. And and Jamie, I appreciate you bringing this up because you need to find a group of peers who can help you through this and mentor you. It is too much of a burden for any one person to carry on their own shoulders. Sometimes all the, all the lights line up and you can just go cruising down the street but most of the time, you're going to get stopped. You're going to get detoured. You're going to hit a road that that wasn't finished the right way. You've got to have this peer. T tell us, you know, I don't know. Is there an example or someone in your life, in your network that you've been able to lean on a bit as you've been growing some of your newer operations? If any of your audience members are um, owners of professional services companies or yeah. tech-enabled services, so non-SaaS, right. I highly recommend you look at a CEO networking group called Collective 54. Huh. It's actually founded by a gentleman named Greg Alexander, who founded Sales Benchmark Index years ago. Cool. Um, I joined it, was been part of it for three years. Cool. Game changer. Because it wasn't... When I joined EO, EO was nice, but in my EO circle, there'd be a guy that owns 25 paint stores and this person right. owns 16 restaurants. And Totally. I'm like, well, when I talk gross margins, we're talking completely different gross margins. Totally. But in this Collective 54, it was around the world. Everyone owned a firm just like you. Cool. And you could talk about CAC, cost of customer acquisition, gross margins, EBITDA. Everything was of the same benchmarking metrics. Interesting. Yeah, that, that can be game changer. You know, th there's a lot of problems that can be solved universally, but there are definitely industry specific things that can help you find that right connection points with people to understand truly what they're going through. So, yeah. Jamie, I love it. I, I love everything you've talked about. I love the lesson that you gave to our audience on sales and sales enablement social selling, all that stuff is so powerful to understand the right way. So thank you so much for being here. You know, Thanks is, there a, is there a shout out to somebody specific that you'd like to give to today before you leave? 
I mean, other than my own parents, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, my parents are, are non-entrepreneurs, but they gave me, they instilled a lot of work ethic in me. Uh, you know, I, when I turned 16, just a quick story. When I turned 16, a week into having my driver's license, I rolled my dad's Jeep. Okay. Oh. He was away. He was, a, he was a geologist. He's on an offshore oil, oil rig. I took his Jeep with a bunch of my rugby buddies. We flipped the Jeep. He calls me on a satellite phone and he said, be home two Tuesdays from now. He's, he's out in the green, in your Greenland at an offshore oil rig. Oh my God. When I come home from school that two Tuesdays from now, I expect I am about to be given one of these. Yeah. And what's sitting yeah. in the driveway is a 1978 Chevy half ton with a set of lawnmowers in the back. And he said, I bought you an old truck and some lawnmowers. You're starting a landscaping business. You're cutting all the lawns in the neighborhood. And it, you know, I, I, I learned entrepreneurship running a landscaping it. business at 16. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Ah, love parents like that. And I love that story. All good stuff today. I, for those listening, please, please, please do yourself a favor and learn what you need to do, not by beating your head against the wall and experiencing everything yourself, but by leaning on some other people who are your peers. There's so many different groups to be a part of, and it's a wide open range of types of groups to be a part of. Find one that works for you and make sure you have that network of people to support and understand you. Jamie, thank you so much for all the advice and the input that you've given our audience today. And we can't wait to see everyone on the next show. Jamie, thank you. Thanks for having me. What did you think of that interview? I loved it. What a great interview. What a great guy. What a great company model. I love the way he has built sales enablement for companies. I love the way that he's been able to scale this thing to 600 companies using his net, his systems and being able to now enable more people through his new products and services that he talked about today. I mean, very, very cool tech, very, very cool stuff. I cannot wait for you to dive in and enhance your sales organization. And for those that need to build a sales organization, reach out to Jamie, reach out and try to understand what your next play is for your business. This podcast is designed around your needs. Your needs are hopefully designed around growth and scaling your company. If that's you, start thinking about sales enablement, start thinking about a network and a team of people who can help you. For those that don't know, we have an amazing community in the Captain's Council. Be a part of it, come join with us. Come understand what it's like to network yourself with other founders and other operators of businesses just like you who are trying to go through their stages of growth and scaling. There is no better place to release your concerns, your questions into an audience of people who are an intimate group that will design and give you responses that they've likely experienced in their own companies. Come join us, Captain's Council, and join whatever group you feel like is gonna help you get closer to your goals of being an effective leader in your organization. We appreciate you. Please share this episode with everyone that needs to hear it, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode.